Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 261. Why did I say it like that? Six, 261. Um, this week's guest is a wonderful one. Um, I was really excited about this. Is again, I keep having these recently, but it's, it's someone I've been trying to line a podcast up with for ages because we've kind of met each other up and down the way um over the years and we locked it down a month or two ago even though i knew i wouldn't have room to release it for a few months um but i wanted to get it locked down because he's a fascinating dude and he's got a fascinating story this week's guest is jamie east um yeah we go into who jamie is where he started off there's there's so much i didn't know about his story it's that that typical thing of podcasts uh, as a as a as a host allow you to to find stuff out about people that you probably wouldn't have found out just bumping into each other at events or hanging out or catching up or chatting so yeah it was was lovely to, to do um i need to thank everyone for all the love over recent weeks the jade adams episode went down a treat last week a, a winston J- duke of us i'm getting a lot more messages about the winston duke episode the week or two later because everyone wanted to hold off and watch the film us from jordan peele which stars winston duke before they had a listen as that's nice that it's getting this extended life um the previous two before that uh johan harry and pc leo mcleod are getting some of the most emotional responses um i've had so thank you for that um i'm a bit sniffly i do apologize that's not what you want to hear on a podcast it is a new month so hopefully you've been paid and a good thing to do if you've been paid um is to head either to patreon.com slash pip and spend a, a dollar on the patreon um page supporting there or even better head to speechdevelopmentrecords.com and have a look over all of our wonderful merch we've got all sorts of clothing We've got my live Edinburgh Fringe DVD. We've got CDs, vinyl, all sorts of stuff, digital downloads. So head to speechdevelopmentrecords.com. We've got mugs, all sorts of stuff. Mugs, who who would have thought? So as you've been paid, if you're a fan of the podcast, they're the ways that, that you can support it. I'll leave it at that. I won't go into crazy. I won't ramble on for ages. Don't worry. I'll just get on with the podcast, I think. We speak a little bit towards the end about um game of thrones if you're tuning in because you're a fan of um of jamie on the game of thrones roundup show um then you might enjoy the episodes with lena heady and uh with john bradley both stars of game of thrones that we have a good chat about the series in those episodes so just search them in iTunes or Acast or Spotify or wherever. Easy enough to find. But for now, this is episode 261 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. Oh, damn, I almost forgot to mention. Oh, I'm so sniffly. That's not what I forgot to mention. I mentioned that. Um, the, the second issue of Pod Bible has come out. <coughs> I'm coughing because I'm so excited. The second issue of Pod Bible magazine has come out. Um, Pod Bible is a magazine for people who are fans of podcasts and if you're you're listening to this it's literally a magazine for you it's free um we give a load out in london we do sh- shop drops we're doing a lot of live podcasts we're going to be giving them out at but there's a digital version online i mean you can also mail order a version online but but there's a digital version too so the digital version 
as you hear, this will come out on Monday, but the physical version is out now. So just go on the Pod Bible uh, socials. They're on t- Twitter, Instagram, and f- and Facebook. This edition, um, the cover star is the legend Richard Herring, and there's chat in there with all sorts of g- great people. Amazing uh, recommendations. Um, a great interview with James O'Brien, and just tons of good people. So check that out. Anyway, this is episode 261 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Jamie East. One two 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 two. Give us a give us one a... two one two. Hello 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 hello. Fine, I'll do a bit yes, low yes, and yes. you can boost it if you need it. Perfect, I appreciate that. This feels a bit like a poacher turned gamekeeper or whatever it is. No, <laughs> <laughs> I've never been. Like I said to you, I've never been interviewed. That's before. what I'm excited about. It's good. Are we are well, we not, going? Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, it's perfect. Mm. So yeah, I like that. It's kind of it's it's. It's a nice one. I, I genuinely find, and this is it's weird that we're recording it here at the kind of the, at the at the talk space and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because this is where I recorded the Colin Murray one, and I always me and Stu Whiffen, who does the Hardcore Listing podcast and Off the Beaten Track, yeah, always say that having broadcasters on just make for the easiest podcasts because you guys are used to having <laughs> to talk for ages. Or do you know what I mean? There's none of them yeah, awkward. Yeah, yeah. Oh, where do we go? Oh, uh, it kind of it goes back and forth all the more naturally we understand the arc yes exactly <laughs> so I, sh- I should introduce i'm joined today by jamie east how are you sir i'm good mate yeah very good actually it's uh yeah it's uh, it's interesting times it's it's all it is yeah i feel quite re- i feel a lot more relaxed than than i should do i think yeah that's yeah. interesting isn't it yeah it's that kind of um they always say that people get more emotionally attached to seeing say or hearing of say an individual dying than reading of 10,000 people have died because you can't get your head around it yeah it feels like where we are in England at the moment yeah the 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 drama and trauma has got so big we can no longer compute it so it's just like all right well, the news cool. is like grief this is porn, fun isn't it yeah yeah it it's really kind of like, is it's just you're absolutely numb to everything I think. yeah and yeah. you know doing I'm doing a few shows on talk radio this week and I'm just but I mean, Brexit just bores the shit out of me. Yeah, everyone's got bored of it, but it's it's, and I got bored of it. I think as early as anyone, but it is the most important thing. Yet I don't care anymore, which well, is crazy. It's crazy to have such a huge historic event. If you look through history at big events, you can't imagine any of the people sitting there thinking, "I just don't care anymore." You think it's the biggest thing in their world, but yeah. for most people, you are just like, "Oh well, whatever." I mean, this could be a huge historic thing. It could be huge. Well, we just don't whatever. know, do we? Exactly. In twenty years' time, it could. Well, that was kind of that's a bit of a damn fart. And, yeah. You know, what were we, what we worried about? But, I mean, chances um, are it's going to be. Um, Millennium bug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Richard Madeley stopped piling batteries in his garden, yeah, you know, all exactly over again. Exactly that. <laughs> exactly that. Um, but yeah, it is that kind of, it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's terrifying, but it's, I think the thing you said there is ideal is that we just don't know. And it's one of the reasons I don't talk about it much. Cause... No, me neither. Well, I'd, I'm, I'm not political yeah. at all, really. Yeah. I'm certainly not as political as I probably should be. Yeah, sure. As a kind of father and kind yeah. of, you know, all the rest of it. 
I'm probably that's that's probably that's probably white privilege though. To be fair, well, um, well, you know, the, the privilege of a white, straight, middle-aged, relatively well-off well man. It's quite easy not to be because I, I, oh. I generally I can get by day to day without having to. Yeah. And luckily, uh, I'm kind of like a spare prick at a wedding in talk radio, where it's kind of like I'm bookended by Brexit and gammon and anger. Yeah, and yeah, I'm allowed just to twat about talking about film and, and yeah and overweight tigers you know stuff like that yeah have the have the light relief and enjoy it but it's it's a true one because what you you said there about us not knowing is it's why again i won't talk about it online because i feel that the vote shouldn't have happened because we didn't know what we were voting for and everyone thinks that you're having a go at at brexiters there or democracy and yeah Yeah. and 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 you're not i'm saying the remainers didn't and still don't know what's going to happen the Brexiters don't and still don't know what's didn't and still don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. I think on b- b- both sides, we don't know now, and it's years on. So at the time, it felt ridiculous to me. It felt like it was something that just went wrong—a little social experiment that went wrong—a kind of letting the sheep vote on what's for dinner amongst well, the, the wolves, is- and then they went, "Oh, actually, they all voted." And yeah. it's, it's gone the way we didn't expect. It was well, Danny of... Dyer's been the only person to speak any sense about it in the past three and a half years. And beautifully that, you know, and as well, right? Eloquent, just beautiful sentence. Yeah. And and absolutely right. And yeah. I can't really argue with, with anything he said there. It's... No, it was so perfect. And it's the pause of them starting to it's move the second, on. And then it was the second twat. twat. Second it's, twat that oh, nailed mate. it. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> well, I mean, anyway, as you touched upon film there. And... We mainly bump into each other these days. At, at Either saying hello or goodbye before or after yeah, films, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's kind of lovely, isn't it? I'm, yeah. I'm new to that world. Same so. here. Well, I've only been doing, I guess I've been a, a kind of, I've been paid to critique films for, I think, about two or three years now. Yeah. And I still feel, it's what I still feel very new to it. When you walk in those screenings and you see like your commodes and your people that have been yeah. doing it for like the year dot who had very eloquent in their prose and their withering takedowns. And then and yeah. there's me who can, has to prize out 300 words through blood, sweat and tears just yeah. to try and articulate what I felt about <laughs> fucking Space Chimps 3. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, I do feel like a bit of an imposter. But it's a beautiful imposter to be, right? Because you now... I, I, I think one of the greatest tricks to play in life is to justify your leisure by making it work. But that's what I've always done. And, and I think it's absolutely key. Always I genuinely think I, I've done it with I stay up for every every UFC. I'm obsessed with mixed martial arts. Yeah. And then I started writing for MMA blogs and for the UFC yeah. website and stuff like that. I'm like, right, it's work now. It's not a luxury. It's not a, a vice. It's work. And it's but the same with I, films. That's what I've always done though. Yeah. Whether it was kind of like whether it's been in the band at first, whether it was Holy Moly, yeah. whether it was Game of Thrones, or whether yeah. it's like the film stuff, or doing radio, or doing TV, always. And it, and it winds people up. I mean, up. I feel I didn't need to make make my notes now, because that's all the stuff that we're going to work oh, through gradually over this. But, but, like, but it, but I wrote this down, for God's sake. You not, I could have just gone off what you said in the first <laughs> ten minutes. There goes the broadcast. I'm setting up the menu <laughs> exactly, for you. Exactly, it's perfect. It's, but it... At half do you not find we'll it talking about holy moly? <laughs> do you not find it winds people up though? Do you get? Do, I I, yeah. I find that people get quite cross at the fact that I've managed to turn what other people do in their spare time as yeah. the thing that, that you kind of swap it around. It's it's. I think it's genuinely. This is going to sound over the top now, but I think it's genuinely one of the biggest problems in society today. Is yeah. that um, I, I I had a guy called Rutger Bregman on, and he's an amazing uh, historian and kind of mathematician and stuff, and sociological kind of observer and he wrote a book called 
a, a utopia for realists and it talks about how we can turn the current world into this amazing world into yeah. this unimaginable a, a universal basic income and all these other things get rid of homelessness and poverty yeah. and all this and it's all realistic it's not airy fairy I'm a, I'm a cynic it's not John Lennon I'm, yeah. yeah I'm a cynic on all this shit and I was reading it and I was like alright no that is scientifically backed up with historical studies and all this but one of the things that we discussed on there is that problem that we've built a society where a large swathe and, and myself included gr- gr- growing up will not consider it a job unless you hate it yeah, and what a horrible society to build! Like, oh, you call that work? And the example I used, I remember the first time I saw Twitch and Dan Lesac, who I did music with for years. Yeah, he does a lot of Twitch streaming now. And the first time I saw it, I went, "That is that work? Is it? Yeah, a playing computer games job, yeah. and people paying yeah." And then I was like, "That's amazing! That should be work. If the, if people <laughs> want to, You've just then just, it's worth everything." But mate, I had that conversation with my eldest son, who's now twenty five. Yeah, uh, you know for. He was, I guess, I look at early, that very early much gaming, as my son. Like shouting, I, was, I remember we were having kind of blinding arguments. Me, him, and his mother, kind of like, you know, the typical kind of classic. What the fuck are you doing with your life? Yeah. Kind of thing. You know, why aren't you out there? Get some fresh air. You know, you should be doing this. Should be doing that. And he was into gaming. Yeah. And he just ignored us. And he's now. I mean. He's been working in gaming for the past yeah. three or four years. Didn't go to college, which is fine. It's, and ended up is, is now working in esports, which which was amazing. was not even a, a thing. No, five years ago, it's a, no. it's a career that, that has just been invented out of thin air. And it's it's an interesting one because did you have similar gr- 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 growing up? Or with music at all? Because again, yeah. music was one that it's like you need to stop doing that and get a real job, and then it became a thing where people can make a lot of money and people can have yeah, see, miss- careers even without necessarily. The the the, the, the infrastructure so like, like it's music has become like any job yeah you, you can have a good middling income See, I, I missed all of that bit right back when when I was doing it was kind of like ninety six to ninety eight yeah. kind of that was our kind of sweet spot a very yeah. brief kind of sweet spot and it would but it was still a time in the music industry certainly in England where you needed that framework you know the internet yeah. had only just kind of was there you had a website but there was very little yep. on it and, and they were all awful to look at you couldn't watch any video you certainly couldn't yeah. download any music kind of helpfully Yeah. so you still needed the publishing deal so you still up needed, teletext yeah exactly and you still needed all of the, the financial support and yep. it was at crucially though it was at a time when Job Seek's allowance had turned into New Deal Right. So it was kind of what like was that? Well, it was not, the doll. Yeah, so basically. Yeah, oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, way back yonder in kind of like early 90s, you could just sign on pretty yeah. much to your heart's content and crack on with whatever you wanted to do, which yeah. was how the music industry in Great Britain was 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 formed yeah, pretty yeah. much, you know. Um that changed crucially at about 96 to 97 I think whereby um you had to you had to prove you're actively looking for work and it made life very difficult for artists, for anyone in the creative yeah, industry. Of course. Where the doll propped you up whilst you learnt your craft or yeah. at least kind of attempted to get onto that infrastructure that you needed to. That was all cancelled and that kind of changed things. Pretty much about two years too early for the the, the paths to cross perfectly with the way the internet burgeoned. So yeah. you, you weren't able to kind of just slip slip seamlessly into kind of just doing it for yourself. And yeah, of course. Use, I mean, even things like there was no... the tech Technologies wasn't there. Yeah, Cubase, but Cubase was a pain in the arse. Yeah, yeah. Because you had to have the Atari. You had to have the Atari monitor that went with the Atari. Yeah, yeah. You know, all of this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So there was no logic. There was no kind of, you know, 
even MIDI was a nightmare. All of that stuff was just horrible to kind of work with. So it was just at the time that I was doing music, I missed out on on the opportunity to kind yeah. of really kind of capitalise on on the, the ease, the, how easy it is. It, now. it feels like almost heartbreaking timing in in many ways because there's that side of it, but that was also it was just after that that indie started to have more of a oh we can make this big thing and beggars banquet who you guys yeah, yeah. were with were one of the ones that ended up being at the forefront of that of going you don't have to be on a major label you could get a publishing deal and be on an indie yeah. or just be on an indie and things like that and it was beggars and excel and all that kind of thing that kind of went right we're as legit it's not kind of you you're on an indie and it's you're waiting to get snapped up like that was the thing for a long time it felt it like it was indie, always a stepping stone indie it? labels yeah. were basically f- feeder clubs in football it's that's kind what of, happened. they'll I mean, train you up and then they will hope to yeah. sell you on for a big profit yeah. and you'll be happy because you're going on to big things whereas it was beggars and excel kind of just after 2000 onwards so kind of just after you'd kind of yeah, stopped yeah, all yeah, that that yeah. kind of went no we're just going to hold on to our artists and we're going to become the majors and excel is the must, prime example they must have changed Adele what they did, and stuff I, like that yeah well i remember i remember being on there and i think did they lose the charlatans i think they might have lost that the charlatans right, yeah. whilst we were on Whilst we were on them, or certainly, then it was ran- the beekeepers, was your, yeah, was yeah, your yeah, band, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, and the prodigy were, I think, Firestarter came out, yeah, kind of year that we kind of signed to them, which was just kind of, I think, Keith probably, Keith, one of Keith's kind of like B sides, yeah, uh, Liam's B sides paid for our entire beggar's career, I yeah. think, so yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, all of that. Uh, the corner shop were on Ouija at the of time, course. there was some, you know, it was it was a really exciting time to be in the kind of beggar's group because we, we were, we were proper to explain that a little bit as well. Beggar's Banquet essentially was a group of indies kind of came together as a as as a, as a co-op essentially. As yeah, a co-op, it's like a guy called Martin Mills. On our own, we're not going to be able to go anywhere near these majors. But if we all pull together yeah. and and share resources and share contacts and stuff yeah. like that, then we can all get in all the indie indie record shops. There's no, we're not each other's enemy. That was the thing. And it happens with any smaller groups. You always start thinking that that's you, 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 your enemy. Then you yeah. realise, no, your enemy's the massive enemy's one over there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are friends. Yeah. This shouldn't be a rivalry. And that's what beggars essentially yeah, it was. put it together. Was, it, was, it was a really exciting time. And I think the problem is, I think, when your band doesn't work, yeah. when your band doesn't take off, you spend a lot of time dissecting that. Because mm-hmm. especially when it's something that, you, that you've pinned everything onto, which yeah. we certainly did as a band. And it takes you a long time to kind of either realise or just accept that perhaps we just weren't good enough. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. your your initial thing is just to blame everybody else and that's what the band did initially, Completely. blamed each other. That's when we, we we kind of split up and kind of ended up hating each other. We didn't speak to each other for like a decade. Yeah. You know, then you blame the management, then you blame the record company and after a while, I think maybe just middle ages where you just go, you know what, fuck it, maybe we just weren't, maybe we just weren't good enough. I genuinely think that one of the things that I'm, l- I'm lucky, or it was, it was kind of a conscious choice, but one of the reasons... I had the career in music I had was because early on I decided I'm going to just do it myself. I'd been in bands growing up. I was like, if I'm, if I do it myself, then if things go wrong, it's on me. If things go well, I get the glory. There's yeah. no kind of shared thing. And it was, it made so that's a brave thing a to do though, isn't it? Cause, cause so many bands I was in, you would get annoyed. Like, Oh, the drummer can't get a lift off his mum today, and he, he needs a lift because he's got all his drums. So, yeah, so we're yeah. not practicing. It's like, and I'm there, like, well, this is the world to me. But yeah. quite rightfully, some people might be. It's it's just a weekend thing for me. Yeah. I've got a family, or Which I've got a job, enough. or I've got everything. Yeah, yeah. It's it's bizarre to imagine that you're all going to have the exact same vision and drive. Yeah. Whereas, if you go again, everyone thinks I grew up loving poetry. I got into spoken word because I looked at it and went that's something I can do without anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I was into rap 
and then a few of those KRS and people like that got me into poetry as well. Nice. But that was the one to go. That's what I can just do off my own back. Yeah. I don't have to rely on anyone else or say, well, if the beats had come through on time or this or that. It's like no, we just it makes it easy make to, it work. to blame other people. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a really it's a handy and destructive thing because then. All of you are blaming other people. Yeah, yeah. So there's no one actually getting the blame there because you're all just passing it off. It's that person to that person. The problem is the second you start doing it for yourself, it's utterly fucking terrifying. Yeah. And, and a billion times as hard, billion times harder. Yeah. Com- <laughs> a, completely. But again, that's kind of, it's, it's, it's the birth of fire, I guess. Not to, 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 to turn it on to me, but I realised a little while ago when, this was years and years into my career, I'd always told the story of how I saved up my money in HMV and then I quit my job yeah. so so I could afford to do try doing music for a year. I'd recorded my album and I went and toured living in a van. It was only years and years later I realised that when I did that, I'd never performed in front of anyone ever. Really? Yeah, and I just, it sounds brave, but I just hadn't thought of it. Like, I genuinely think it's just in my panic because I've recorded the record, I've practised at home because I remember going and doing my first ever street performance and my mate chris who does the hardcore listing podcast and tons of other stuff now he was there going well go on then and i started to bottle it i was like and then his kind of point was (laughs) you've kind of not given yourself an option yeah i'd put so much into it i didn't have a choice i didn't have a choice I'd, i'd quit my career i'd quit i'd left my job i'd done all of this i was like and not once thought about... You've got to go and succeed now, otherwise... Yeah. Like, they're, they're but, they're the, they're, but they're the moments that keep you going. <laughs> they're, the, they're, they're the worst and the best moments when your arsehole's going a little bit. Yeah. You know, when you're staring over the precipice, and, and they're, the, they're the moments that you remember. Yeah, completely. And it's the reason like, everyone would always ask if you're nervous on stage and stuff like that. I love being on stage. And the reason for that was all my first gigs were outside and no right. one wanted to hear it. If I'm on stage, <laughs> people are inside and they want to hear They're it. Trapped. It's like, yeah. this is relaxed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, in general, that whole first two or three months was all just street corners yeah. and whatever else where they really don't want anything to do with you. So I like the, I like the five seconds once you've started. Yeah. It's the five seconds before that, honestly, it's yeah. just horrible. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking, isn't it? It's absolutely terrifying. Um, Well, kind of after you stopped on on the music, the big thing that kind of launched you as as who you are i guess as as yeah. a broadcaster and all these other things was or as a journalist i guess i was holy moly right yeah, yeah, yeah. and how was that i was explaining it at today to my oh, missus who's a, a few years younger and my description of it and tell me off if this is wrong my memory of holy moly was it felt in my mind it's kind it was kind of buzzfeed before buzzfeed existed yeah it was that kind of celebrity news type site but it had an opinion it wasn't just here's something that's happened it would yeah. have a dig at people it would it would go in it'd have a laugh it didn't take fuck the piss. About. yeah yeah well it. it's how weird... was that and what inspired starting that up and what was the, the Look, path i mean it's not very romantic the, yeah basically i was working at sky yeah. on 15 grand a year with two kids and, and move the family down to London on a mortgage that cost like 80% of my income. Yeah. And I was brassy. I was really skinned and saw that the internet was happening. I was at Sky the day that people at Sky got on, got their email address for the first time. Oh, it was wow. Like, it was like mental to even think about it. Like the, the people at just... B, Sky B. Genuinely, people would be walking around <laughs> passing each other pieces of paper before then. It was nuts. Amazing. So... It was just That's a was, huge turning point yeah, to was, be it was, at such a big entertainment thing at the point that entertainment changed completely. Yeah. So and then all of a sudden all the computers got got 
the internet and 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 you went off and i was doing night shifts doing graphics doing all the weather maps and all that right. kind of stuff yeah so they were like long old shifts during the kosovo war Amazing. where there was not a lot to do wow. and found pop bitch so yep. and 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 it was the first kind of website i found it was like uh, these are my people yeah because it was just a group of fuckers just just dishing the dirt on on yep. celebrity yeah and luckily through the few years through being in the band and kind of like having an old man that works in the industry and knowing a few people had a few stories up my sleeve. Brilliant. So I was able to kind of like participate and get involved. And through that almost kind of became a, just a a bit of a super fan of pop bitch, but got quite frustrated with what the owners of pop bitch weren't doing with what I saw was just like, this is just like this is, why aren't you kind of like getting rich off this? Because yeah. that, because I just couldn't understand it. It's like, why would you do? They have, they've got a different agenda, and they still have, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, but for me, I was looking at it going, this is your fucking ticket. This yeah. is it. You don't, you only get one of these tickets in a career, and you're sitting on it and doing absolutely nothing with it. Amazing. And it was genuine off the back of that that I, I tried to introduce the owners of Pop Bitch to a guy called James Baker who was at the time head of Sky One because everyone was trying to do a pop bitch kind of TV show. Yeah. So I got James interested and he wanted to meet them. But but pop bitch pulled out after we kind of had a few chats about it. And I was was really fucked off with them. Yeah, yeah. And I'd bought the domain name Holy Moly a couple of years ago to do like a design graphics kind of thing. Right. And genuinely told James that that Holy Moly was this, was the new one that, that no one really knew about. Right, and, what, and that and, was kind of before... And what, what sparked me off was that he just believed it. And he I was like, it. great, who, who else knows about this? I was like, hardly anyone knows about this. And he was like, right, okay, fine. And I walked out thinking, fucking hell, this is quite funny. And That's amazing. So That's such a blag. It was, it, was a, it was just, mate, there's so much of Holy Moly that was just a blag. Yeah. So what I did, which was, you know, possibly not the most uh, kind of heroic thing, was I poached about a dozen of the kind of hardcore pop bitches to come over mm. onto this secret message board. Uh, yeah. which is holy moly and they're still there to this day um, and that was genuinely it was started this new message board started a newsletter with the with the remit of being okay well what what can we do that that, that pop bitch aren't doing yeah um, and we just kind of went in a bit harder yeah and pop bitch were the problem pop bitch had was that they were visible now to lawyers and they were visible to such such people knew who they were people who knew who owned them so right. they couldn't get away with as much whereas we were this entirely ring fenced kind of community yeah no one and I could offer complete kind of an anonymity to all of these people and all yeah. these stories because yeah. no one knew who I was yeah so we went in harder we went in faster we went in quicker and it didn't take long yeah. for it really to kind of make a mark I yeah. mean different ethically completely different times you know? yeah I was, I was gonna say how did how how did the the lines get blurred there ethically because it is if something starts to blow up by pushing the boundaries then the nature is to push the boundaries more and yeah. as someone who had been in in the music industry and entertainment or whatever, um, was there any kind of, are we crossing any lines here? Are we doing anything wrong? Or was it, because again, it is key to highlight and this is yeah. key because of things like James Gunn's old tweets blowing up and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was a time when bitchiness and cattiness and whatever, yeah, yeah. it was all far more acceptable. Well, it was, it was acceptable. For I think, better or for worse. Yeah, yeah, I, and yeah for better or for worse. I think it had to happen. Yeah. For for us to be, I think, in the in the better space that we're in now. Yeah. But at the time, the floodgates had opened because yeah. the anonymity that the internet offered you, or offered everybody, was 
so delicious and so kind of tempting that it was almost impossible not to get carried away with it. Yeah. And so Holy Moly certainly did, mm. but as did everybody. Yeah. And the ethics and the lines were blurred and, and it took a long time and, and it really didn't stop until Amy Winehouse died. Right. Uh, for people to go, what the fuck are we doing? Or certainly yeah. for me yeah. to go, actually, we're all, a, there's blood on a lot of our hands here. That's a great point. Cause that was, again, that was a key one where, and I remember at the time as well, you'd put Pete Dockett in that, that, that bracket where mm. the, the, the media or bl- bl- blogs that were blowing up were feeding off these people falling yeah. apart and, I mean, I and, think, and being a wreck and being a mess. Holy moly, never, we didn't glorify anything. We gave, we didn't kind of put them up on a pedestal. You know, mm-hmm. certainly people like Pete Doherty and the like, we gave a hard time to because yeah. they were, I think, you know, I still think clearly an addict, clearly yeah. in, in the throes of, in the throes of horrible addiction, but also a bit of a prick with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And and that comes from kind of personal stories that I know of people that work with him and, and all the rest of it that yeah. never got published. So we only ever really gave shit to people that we, in our minds, deserved that yeah. shit. And a lot of the stuff we did was with humour. Yeah. You know, Cunt's Corner was born out of just, just us twatting about. And, yeah. And became a mental kind of thing. Yeah. You know. It's, it's, it's a fascinating one, man, because it all feeds itself. There's a lot right? of, there's a lot of holy moly that I'm not proud of anymore. Yeah. I was, was going to say, it all feeds itself, because Pete Duckett is a prime example there, and I've heard some horrible stories about the lad, but equally, again, as you said, there's addiction, there's... The media are to blame for making him, however... uh, The example I always give was when people... There was a real trend of people getting furious about Justin Bieber or about Miley Cyrus and about how these... And I'd look at them and go, number one, you're a 35-year-old man furious about a 17-year-old kid. But number two, these 17-year-old kids have been in the public eye from day one. They're going to have flaws. They're going to be fucked up Mm. because... Bieber in particular, from about the age of 15 or 16, he was huge. Therefore, anything he wants... Here's my he first ever celebrity interview, just oh, really? that I did in that I did as myself, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And how was that? How it was, was it? It was fine. It was a red carpet. It was just... A, he, it was just a, but it's a, a kind of like massive kind of crossroads of hypocrisy, isn't yeah. it? Because on one hand, he's kind of got, got $300 million and Ferraris and as much blow and as much kind of fanny as he wants, yeah. you know. And on the other hand, he's a, you know, he's a, he believes in God and, and yeah. wants to do right for his mama. Yeah. And that's just America all over. It's just fucking nuts. Yeah. It's no wonder he went mad. It's a massive... And again, he's another one. He's... Um, and we won't go into it in huge amount of details because it's completely irrelevant. But he's another one that he's this massive kind of liberal, everyone should be free, yet he's part of that particular church that has got a history in homophobia. Yeah, which is now, stuff thankfully, like which, under the spotlight. Yeah, yeah. which is good because Chris Pratt has been blown up for it. I think it's always a tough one because I think I was having, again, I was having this discussion last night. I can't say that Justin Bieber or Chris Pratt or whoever else is homophobic, no. but they attend a church that some They're members of has, 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 has done that, which that needs answering and yeah. e- but equally it's a tough one i i could go to a gig or go to something and not know that there's backstories or that yeah. that singer has this and that and therefore that doesn't mean i support it but yeah. i've been become not part. every band is it's, screwdriver yeah, yeah yeah it's 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 quite a, com- a a confusing one but that's so different from the times of holy mode yeah right? i mean it was it was the complete opposite it was like right 
fuck them all. Everyone, yeah, it was. It really was. I mean, I, the, the, the kind of tagline that we had was, being a celebrity is a stupid job, and it's our job to point that out. Right, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. this was at a time when Heat Magazine was just so big, so yeah. huge, 3 a.m., yeah. bizarre column in, in all, of the, yeah. all, all of the tabloids. And they very much glorified because they fed off off, off the machine. So your Katie Price's, your Peter Andre's, yeah. your, like you say, your Miley Cyrus's, your Paris Hilton's, your it's Lindsay Lohan's. Because they were the build them up and drag them down. Yeah. And you guys were always just the fuck them. Well, like, like, there was no it was, build them up. It was, it was always, kind of, look at how ridiculous well, this is. Yeah, it's this, this fucking nuts. You know, Tom Cruise is a fucking celebrity and yeah. is a celebrity because he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. Uh, Peter Andre, less so. Yeah, so let's yeah, not put yeah, them on the same yeah, fucking pedestal. Yeah. And that was what we did, was just yeah. to point out to people, it was like, have a fucking word with yourself. You've queued up outside a nightclub for six hours to see this guy yeah. who gave himself potassium poisoning so he ate 50 bananas in one day. That's who you yeah. want your daughter to wear on your on their T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. It's a bizarre one. So, I mean, before we move on from Holy Moly, is there anything that sticks with you that you kind of regret on there? Any, any... As on, on, in terms of editorially? editorially yeah and or anyone you feel that you went after too hard or um, you shouldn't have gone into or i don't know there was after i finished holy moly there's a lot of redemption there when i, when I think when i started doing tv and yeah. inevitably you start meeting a lot of these people uh-huh. there have been lots of occasions where i've gone you know what that was Kerry katona sticks in my mind quite yeah. a lot so Kerry was almost this running theme throughout holy moly's career was Kerry's kind of Ascent or descent, yeah. whichever whichever way you want to look at it, yeah. into the into our consciousness. You know, she was starting off as this kind of you know the typical British dream of ex topless model yeah. done good. You know, Andy McCluskey discovered a yeah. atomic kitten, all the rest of it. Yeah. Married to Brian McFadden, had the kids, and then inevitably the coat came into it, and all the rest of it. Yeah. So we gave Kerry a riot kicking yeah. quite often, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's just a naivety or just a kind of or was an eagerness just to just to kind of join the queue yeah and having met kerry and know kerry personally after that you know and clearly she was she was ill yeah yeah so yeah there there are things like that where i think we went in too hard there are a couple of i mean there were there were really grim times looking back at it now because i was pissed for most of it and the, the the whole soho in london was was a very different place than it was now and and it was genuinely the advent of camera phones changed so much in my (laughs) opinion i genuinely think all all that so hard things like it was it was it was no man's land it was kind of as long as you're out the reach of the paps Mm. which often people weren't but still as as long as you were then anything could go whereas now it it became there's no out of reach so so yeah there's a lot there's a lot of regret you know i was i was i spent too long trying to flog it yeah rather than trying to build it I was, right. always, I was, you know, but but then that's because that was always my my plan. It was kind of like, well, I always said I'd build the brand and flog it, yeah. and, and I did that twice. Yeah, yeah. You know, bought that's it back bad. once and then flogged it right. again. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. but by the time it, by the time my exit to Holymoy came, I was I was really glad to get out. I was knackered and I was just I was a husk of a man. Yeah, I mean, we've touched upon drugs and alcohol a lot there. This it feels like a good point to get on to talking about sobriety Mm. and kind of what your path was and journey there because again that being particularly in that at at that time it's such a again it's the negative of making of justifying things as this is my job at that point to be in the entertainment industry Mm. there was a lot of drink a lot of drugs Mm -hmm. entertainment industry is what's providing for your family so you need to be in those circles but at what point is the line 
crossed slash snorted um, in, in that kind of, in that world. Because yeah. you're needing to put yourself out there, particularly if you're needing to get gossip and stories or make connections even, j- yeah. j- simply to make connections. And you can justify s- s- so much, as said, by saying it's for work, it's to provide, it's for this. And then you kind of go, well, actually, yeah. it's fucking it's messy. It's a, it's a, it's a trick. I've never spoken about it before, really. Yeah. 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 I mean, drink's always been a big part of the family. Yeah. You know, we've always been, always, whether it's me, my old man or my mum, or yeah. always been the, we've always been the last one standing. Yeah. Always. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. kind of like, it's a bit of East pride there is that, yeah. you know, it, nothing affects our constitution. Yeah. You know, it's all, all of that. And, and yeah, you're right. There's, there is also the element of it's like, well, you've got to be in it to win it. You've got to, this kind of, romantic kind of notion of whether you, you know it's kind of donny brasco-esque kind of like undercover yeah kind of way of getting getting the gossip and getting it's, the stories it's, it's turning it's just absolutely it's turning that family trait into your superpower in the industry well, if i can be the last one standing yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah. can get all of the news i can yeah. be the last one getting exactly. everything in i'll see who was the second one standing and right about then yeah, yeah, you know exactly, it's, that, it's that kind of exactly so for me Look, it was always the booze, really. Yeah. You know, the drugs were there, but never, it, it was always the booze. Yeah. Every bad decision I've ever made has always been kind of after booze. Right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. So, I spent so long pissed. Yeah. Just either pissed or hung over, which is not a great place to be when either you're trying to run a business or, more importantly, raise a family. You know, yeah, I have four 100%. kids yeah. all, all throughout this. And I can't imagine that that was much fun for for my wife or or certainly for them. Not not I don't think they really remember much about it. But yeah. I was just out a lot. Yeah. You know, I was, ne- I was never like, I was never kind of like coming home, kind of like throwing up on the living room carpet and yeah. saying let's let's move to Brighton. You know, it was, yeah. it was none yeah, of that. Yeah, I was yeah, never yeah. kind of a flamboyant drunk. I was just yeah. usually just it's just it, knackered. Do you know be- what I mean? It becomes a. I think alcohol can really become. And I think it's why, obviously, it's got addictive parts yeah. chemically. But I think one of the reasons it can become addictive is it's a free pass. It's to say, right, I can do what I want now. Well, excuses, I'm drunk. Yeah, excuses twattishness. Yeah, it's it's a massive excuse. And if you're you're going out and at the back of your mind, you kind of want to be a twat tonight. Yeah. Then you have a few drinks and it's it's acceptable. Well, a, and it's, it's, a, it's a conscious choice beforehand. Is, well, a, is you the think point you're I'm being less of, of a twat, and yeah. B, you could be there's always the yeah, really sorry I was drunk. Yeah. Rather, I'm really sorry. And I think so after years and years of doing it, and kind of you know, and it affected everything. It affected my work. It certainly affected my work after I stopped Holy Moly and started doing TV. Yeah. And radio. Yeah. That was when it really kind of. You're on, you're on other people's schedules a lot more. Well, I can you're, remember, I can you're remember on doing Big Brother. On, I can remember doing Big Brother drunk. Yeah. You know, which is not. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you're never in a great, the only downtime you have, you're recovering rather than enjoying it. And, and I just, I just, I just disliked the person I was really. And, yeah. and, I'd realise that I'm just not one of those people that can just have a bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I used yeah. to get angry when people pointed that out to me, especially if my wife pointed it out to me. It's yeah. like, why do you always have to be the last one? It's like, well, I do because it's my work or it's because, you know, because that, that because I'm an East. That's what we do. That's what yeah. the East do. We know how to, we, we're the fucking party yeah. goes. We, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we don't, we make the party. We don't just turn yeah. up at the party. You know, that kind yeah, of thing, yeah, that yeah. bullshit kind of assumption. And I just didn't, I just realised that I was just a, 
a bit of a cunt. Right. Really. I mean, that was uh, genuinely it. Uh, uh, was there any kind of catalyst there was no, moments? Or see, was this it just it. the kind so, of the build-up of... This is, probably this, why is the this is probably why I've never really kind of talked about it, because there was never kind of... A, I've spoken to other people who are sober, who are quite big public about their sobriety and, and yeah. whatnot, and they've always had that kind of rock bottom, you know, where they've been kind of... I know someone that's told me they woke up in, the, in some Bulgarian fucking toilets yeah, trying to snort yeah. a kind of cubicle kind of perfume cube yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've, I've thankfully never had that. Yeah. And just decided one day just to just to stop. But I don't really... I don't know. It's, it's quite weird because I don't really say that I'm sober or anything. I'm just, just not drinking at the moment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How long have you been... It's about 18... M- not it's about 18 months. Yeah. About 18... Well, over 18 months now. So... It's, it's and, it, and it's changed me so much. Yeah. And without being kind of evangelical about it or going, everybody needs to stop drinking. It just, it's just what works for you. And this, this has genuinely worked for me. I, I just don't more. know whether I've just done it too late. Yeah. No, no, it's a, it's a fascinating one. I, g- I genuinely think for productivity, it makes such a difference. Because I, I never had a drink problem, but I now drink, I think last year I drank six times. And yeah. again, it's because I've not had that problem that I'd, I've not felt I need to make this big stop. But yeah. I just stopped because... Exactly that. As when I, I think it was, I had a tour where just before the tour, I had tonsillitis. So normally I'd drink on stage, and as I I just got over this, I was like, right, I need to just drink water, be ultra healthy. And it was the best performances I've ever given, the most fun I had on tour. And I suddenly went, I used to drink because I was scared. I'm not scared anymore, and that just. Genuinely, it made me kind of stop well, and go. The metaphor, right, you know, that? you see the you see that metaphor in in films. You see it in such and such. It's Dumbo, isn't it? It's, it's Dumbo flying yeah. without the magic feather. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, that's yeah, generally yeah, what it is. Yeah. It's, it's and and it's something. Until you do something that scares you sober, yeah, you don't realise that actually the magic feather is a pint of Guinness, yeah, or yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, line, yeah. or it's a or it's half a bottle of uh, fucking Jack Daniels or whatever, whatever is your poison. Yeah, so. And and for me, it was kind of doing telly, or it was kind of uh, writing, or 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 even going to a social occasion without 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 drinking, yeah, and still being able to pull it off, yeah. How do you manage at social occasions without saying? Because again, I think a thing that a lot of people that I feel I've known who have had drinking problems, but in the entertainment industry, yeah. the thing that they have is they decide they're going to try and cut down. And in this industry, or, or I mean, forget the industry. I, I'm from Essex. In Essex, yeah. if you say, if you're out with mates, you say, oh, I'm not going to have one tonight. You oh, fucking come on, Come, come on, on, you on. fucker. Whereas if you're out yeah. with mates and go, um, I'm sober, I've had a problem. They go, all right, cool. Do you want a, yeah. a lemonade? Or, you, I mean, I think there's a massive difference. I think the, the tough part can be when you're just saying, I'm just leaving it f- for now because people will nudge you. Whereas if you say, I've got a problem, yeah. So I can't drink. Then they'll yeah. generally accept it. A bit well, more. So I has mean, that been your approach to kind of go? Look, I'm not. I'm not know, drinking. I mean, everyone I'm else had more of a problem than I have. You yeah. know, with with doing it, which has been quite quite the, the funny thing is quite re- actually I've been quite relaxed about the whole thing, and I yeah. found it luckily relatively easy. Yeah. You know, there haven't been many occasions where I've kind of got the thirst and thought, you know, oh, I could, oh my god, that yeah. that red wine looks amazing. Are uh, you st- stubborn? Because I, uh, as soon as I cut down on drinking, I'd get a bit of a buzz out of being. No, I'm good. Well, you thanks. do the pink mist. It's I'm the, fine, thanks. Yeah. No, whatever. No, no. But I'm everybody fine. And people else tr- trying to tempt you, and me being all so stubborn and arrogant about the fact that I'm not even yeah. tempted, mate. This is easy. But what it, <laughs> all it all it kept doing was reconfirming why I'm doing it. Because when I say to people I'm not drinking, people go, "What? Yeah, you." 
And you oh. go, oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, very quickly realised that, right. that people people took me. I was that guy. That's how they knew you. You know, it's it's like if, if, if three people are telling you three different things, then don't listen to them. But if three people are saying exactly the same thing, then yeah. they're probably right. Yeah, and they're probably that, onto something. And it's that kind of thing. So it, it makes me stubborn. It made, and it made me kind of like, well, I'll show you. I'll do yeah. it for six months. You know, yeah. And then a year, then it became a year. And, and now it's just like, well, yeah, I'll just keep going. You know, then I, yeah. I, had a, I, I had a pint, I had a glass of red wine with my dad at Christmas uh, and it was fine. You yeah. know, but, but, stopped after one really yeah that's perfect you know but I did, so it's, it's a tricky one it's a it's, yeah it's such a tough one because if, i think the second you kind of say i'm never going to drink again yeah you know all of a sudden i'm on that pedestal then it's quite yeah. a weird one so and i'm not doing it for anyone else but myself possibly you know my family as well that's, but. that's exactly it on 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 my relationship with alcohol now because i kind of like still now i'll be i'll be driving somewhere and mates will go oh you can have one though and i'll be like why would I want one? What's Again, I, I've had that same yeah. mentality of being of growing up in Essex. It's like, if I'm drinking, I'm, I'm getting drunk. Yeah, That's exactly. why I'm drinking. Yeah, why yeah. would I have one? I'd yeah. rather have a nice Coke. There's no, such thing, nice all, there's no such thing as a small glass of wine, is there? No. You know, it's a bottle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> why, would you, why would you stop while there's, there's some left? So that's it. The six times I've drunk this year... I've got wankers, but yeah. that's the only times I've drunk all year. Coming is at my club night, or, yeah. or, or, or when we do the drunk podcast. But yeah. because of those two things being public things, a lot of my fan base assume I'm this big party guy, and yeah, all it's yeah, like, yeah. no, the six times I've drunk, you've all heard about. That's yeah. all. It's yeah, not that it's all yeah. the time. It's just they're the they're the only. But we're ones. getting on a bit as well. It's, it's it's quite difficult to it's quite difficult to get pissed. You know? yeah, it's, yeah. it's not much fun anymore. It's knackering. I remember in my te- again, it's I think it's an Essex thing. In my teens, I would. On the way to the metal club I'd go to, I'd drink a bottle of a concoction I'd made up myself out of my parents' booze <sighs> Fucking because hell. I was poor. So <laughs> like, I need to get drunk. I'd g- get to the club. I'd do a shot of whiskey because I knew it would make me go and th- throw up. So wow. I'd get to the club, do a shot of whiskey, go and throw up, and then I could drink all night, not feel ill, not feel rough. See, just you get the if good you wrote drunk. that down, it would just look like the words of a madman. Yeah, yeah. You know it I mean? sounds <laughs> absolutely like... manic. But again, it's only realising years on. I was like, that was my system for going to clubs. It's like, I had to throw up early, otherwise I'm yeah, not going yeah. to I'm not gonna have to enjoy the night. It'll all be a bit heavy on me and I'll feel like I'm going to be sick. It's like, no, I can never, see, get I can out never, of the way early. I hate it. I, you know, all my mates that used to do that, t- tactical, tactical vom, they call yeah, it, don't they? Tactical I, yeah, vom. I could never do it. I was all over it. <laughs> well, um, and let's move on to your, your, your TV career. How did it? Kind <laughs> that won't of, take long. Oh, or how did it it, 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 it come about? Because the first thing that I remember seeing you on was Big Brother's. Was it side. bit on the side? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. And that's an interesting theme I want to talk about as we go on because it was kind of the first show talking about a show that's just been on. Yeah. It was kind of a new thing at that point. The original go, spinoff. Everyone yeah. was enjoying this. Let's now break it down, yeah. like like what we've just seen, and. I think Big Brother gets a hard rap and yeah. gets misremembered. Snobbery. Yeah. And I, because I think, I mean, it did it to itself as well. Yeah. It, 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 I'm, I'm not saying it's this innocent thing, but as a, a social experiment, I think it's one of the most f- fascinating things that's ever yeah. been made for TV. I remember I was asked to go on the celebrity one at some point, or I wasn't asked, I was inquired if I'd be interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said to him, I was like, if it wasn't on TV, I would. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I felt for my kind of career, it's a negative impact. Yeah. And you saw it with a, a Preston is a great example of how he, he was a credible indie kid. He's now forever 
that big brother guy. And yeah. it's this weird, it's got positives and negatives. It's done great things for his career. It's done hugely damaging things for his psyche and, yeah. you know, everything else. So, but my thought was always, I would love to go in it because I watch it and I see him arguing over stupid shit yeah. and I can think instantly of one sentence I could say Just that would solve all of it. it all down. Yeah, yeah. And I look at that and go, that's so stupid. I could solve that. I'd, it'd be amazing to be in there. But equally, years ago, um, I was in a long-term relationship and my girlfriend would stay over a lot. And the way she got out of the shower used to infuriate me because <laughs> the, the, the floor would get more wet than, I, than when I get out of the shower. Yeah. And it's that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, they're in close... Yeah quarters what it's, do you do it's when, like, that, it, when it's jackie stallone doing that yeah, you're in a wild water pain sitting there watching tv you can sit there, there rationally as soon yeah. as you're living with someone for a couple of days those tiny little things someone's eating my cheese yeah. it turns into this big squaring up to people and you're yeah. sitting there going these people are fucking idiots it's like no they're not it's such a it's well, a social experiment that's the point of it it's it's become just a tv show but yeah. it's a known listed social experiment that yeah. was was written about for years so it's it's a valid thing it's it yeah. makes people act weird but yeah so yeah i mean I, so i was a, i was a fan of big brother and kind of i guess unless it through ups i went ups and downs with it when it first yeah. came out everyone you know i was along with everybody then it died down for a bit and the way i came involved with with with, with bit on the side was because i sold the holy moly to endemol right so i'd bought the company back off the previous owner uh who via some kind of company thing was Len Blavatnik and Perform Group and all that right, brought that okay. back off them and then sold it to Endemol Group because um, well because they wanted to buy it yeah yeah uh, and off the back of that and this you know kind of I mean it's quite it's, it's derigging that's what everybody does when the companies have merged like this place here is merged with News UK yeah you suddenly you find that the radio stations are appearing in the newspapers so it's an idea yeah, for yeah, them yeah. was to was to kind of was to use me and use Holy Moly and vice versa with Big Brother, who they'd just done the deal with Desmond to for it to move on to Channel Five. Yeah. So as part of it, I just got sent along. They said to me, "We're auditioning for Big Brother." Had to, they turned that series around in about six weeks? Yeah, so they did the deal nice. with Desmond, and it had to be on air by I think August, whenever it was. And they had yeah. what? No housemates. The house, you know, all of this. It was dead. It was in. It was. It was. It was kind of. Uh, it was in in hibernation. So they had to really kind of ramp it up. Yeah. So they sent me along as the dude from Holy Moly to go and film a VT at one of the auditions for, right. for Holy Moly, just interviewing the people going in and going out. And and it was great. It was good fun. And one of the guys and I ended up doing a little skit where I tried to audition for Big Brother, yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. kind of you know just a bit of a piss take. But the guy that was uh, that was playing Big Brother was a guy called Ian Coyle. Right. Uh, who was at the time, who then went on to be the exact producer of Bit on the Side. Right. And right. kind of, we struck a chord and we kind of got on and he asked me if I'd go on and, and join Alice Levine and Emma Willis. Yeah. Uh, just kind of, because Emma was heavily pregnant. Yeah. Uh, so she, they needed some kind of plan Bs in case Emma either had to had to go off and have yeah. a baby or, you know, yeah. and plus she couldn't do weekends either. So they got me and Alice uh, in to do that. And I think it wasn't Alice's first TV gig, but it was, it was certainly, it was certainly very, very early, early on, our, yeah, yeah, both yeah. our careers. Yeah. So, and that was genuinely it. Yeah. So, and so I, I, got, I got given the character of, of the kind of the cynical kind of journalist as opposed to kind of the, the all encompassing kind of this, isn't this great? So, which yeah. I was quite happy to kind of play really. And it was, it was, it was great fun. I was only, I mean, it felt like I was on it forever, but I was only, I did about five series in about three years. Right. And it was, it was great fun. I, yeah. I loved it. And, and, um, and it must be f- f- fun to be tasked with the kind of go on there and put, 
poor school. Oh yeah, well, my, go, my, oh, my role was so yeah. yeah, my role was to, again it was like the holy moly role was to yeah. go on and go. Well, if you're interviewing kind of again Kerry Katona, that's where I met yeah, Kerry yeah, and yeah. and kind of Jed Woods and and all those yeah. kind of lot and your Spencer and Heidi Pratt's who yeah. were kind of vilified and kind of no, it's not not vilified kind of. Uh, evangelicized or yeah. you know kind of adored and stuff it was my job to go in there and and, and ask them if they'd ever been missold ppi yeah you know yeah. it's that kind of, yeah. And kind of yeah. you know so it, it was great fun and also from a technical point of view to go from nothing to doing five nights of live tv a week yeah you know it's a great kind of way yeah. of getting your air miles up and, and really enjoyed it so it was the best thing to happen to me and also the worst thing because once you've done a gig like that it really turns your head right so it spelled the end of holy moly but also because it was because it's so tempting and so you get so yeah. wrapped up in that bubble of live TV and the money and you get to and, see and all, all of the it rest get... of it. You think, yeah, well, I'm just going to do this forever now, and then you quite quickly realise that maybe you know the one thing they don't tell you is that that's sometimes as good as it gets. Yeah. So yeah. enjoy this moment because you know you probably won't get another one of these for about five years. It's a fascinating one because it is. It's that you. It gives you that taste. Yeah. It gives you that it's taste, addictive. and it's 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 why that. I mean, the presenting area of the industry the acting side as i'm mm. seeing is you get that early bit of addiction and then you find out oh there could be a year or two years but first one's always free your next gig, first one's always free yeah and it's it's amazing though but if it's giving you that right buzz then it's what keeps you in it for the long haul and it's what gives you that career because it'd be if you've not had that taste yeah if you you go into it and you don't get a gig for two years you're gonna go fuck this yeah stuff that <laughs> i'll see you back. later but yeah. it's that thing that makes you yeah so i think it's it's positive and negative it's the positive no, it that is. makes you go do you want this because if you want this it's there. then here's yeah. what it's going to be but you know it's i've not always easy. enjoyed i mean it's not on a platter. i've been lucky enough to kind of have about four careers and yeah. so i've always enjoyed learning the the mechanics of those individual careers so learning how to do tv learning how to be a web publisher or learning yeah. how to run your own business yeah, or look yeah, after yeah, staff yeah. or not look after staff you know and then yeah. in where we are now like learning how to do radio and, yeah. and, and and even like here we are again podcasting yeah. the whole new generation of podcasting yeah. so to have the ability of kind of turning your hand and kind of learning even like how to use the gear and and how to talk to people in keeps that different way keeps right? it interesting keeps you as yeah. a there's there's a, a saying that it's it's important to always be, be a white belt at something. Yeah. So there's always something that you're learning. And the, I'm, I'm a jack of a lot your, of trades. It keeps your ego in check. It keeps yeah. everything in check because there's something that you do and you go, I'm not that good at that yet. Yeah. If there's anything else that you're smashing, then it's easy to just go, ah, oh, is yeah, it but also, important to keep those things that you're still having to work on? You're still having to get yeah, better at. But I think, you know, I think that's something that hits you in kind of middle age, I think, a little bit, is to is to, is to is is the acceptance that perhaps you're not going to be yeah. that, that fucking brilliant person at any of those things yeah, and you know what it's all right you know i'm i'm half decent on telly i'm half decent on the radio i can turn my hand to kind of pretty much anything to earn a few quid yeah but am i going to be dermot o'leary no am yeah. i going to be eddie Mayer? no it's you know? one of the things that annoys me and again i've kind of at the end i've got a note just because i know that we're both film and tv fans and yeah. i just want to talk about some tv and film. Yeah, it's no, not absolutely. it's not career stuff but it's one of the things that annoys me the most in tv is that everything is is it the best tv show ever it's like no it's not but it doesn't have to be not everything has to be the best tv show or film ever there's loads of it can be really really good yeah so like, like anytime i rave about something people someone will say oh it wasn't as good as the wire or it wasn't as good as yeah, yeah, yeah. series one it's like when deadpool sh- 2 came out i was yeah. saying this is great they're like is it as good as, good as, as deadpool one? one and i was like um, it's different from the first one, but I've seen the first one. 
So I'd rather watch a new one than watch the first one again. But that's because... So let's just accept that. And the, re- the reason for it is, I think, is because whilst the way that we're being served films and served TV has changed, yeah. our consummation of those and the way that yeah. we consume those hasn't. So the problem, and it's like, and for instance, like, you know, I'm a film critic. You watch a load of films as well. Yeah, you yeah. interview, you do all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you'll know what these past kind of two or three months are like for films. Yeah. All of a sudden, every film you're watching is four or five stars mm-hmm. and it becomes boring. Mm. you're watching so many good films it's yeah. a bit fucking boring yeah. you know to go from watching Beautiful Boy to Green Book to uh, If Bill Street Could Talk to right. The Favourite all in a week you, you become snow blind to it all yeah. and and that's one of the problems that we've got now and it's something that I've had to learn to do is to try and pay, especially in TV is to pace my viewing and work and you schedule you have to schedule your viewing yeah. because if you're watching True Detective at the same time you're watching Daz Boot at the same time you're watching Game of Thrones <laughs> yeah. at the same time as re-watching uh, Breaking Bad yeah. then you're not doing. You're not. You're not giving any of those things, including yourself, the best shot at enjoying them to yeah, the fullest. Completely. You, you've got to. You've got to uh, be ready. Yeah? yeah. And and what that means is there's got to be some average stuff in between that. Yeah. There's got to be palate cleansers. Yeah. Or, or even it can just be a change of genre, which yeah. I think people don't get enough. Like that. I get some sticks sometimes because I watch all the the superhero films and I thoroughly enjoy them. Yeah, and I, I know watch, people yeah. go against them a little bit now, but. They're perfect as palate cleansers. If you're yeah. watching some heavy, dramatic, but they're layered. Like, you see, you this can... is perfect. It's, it gives me everything I want. Yeah. There's, there's, I can watch it and genuinely say, I genuinely think this is a great film. I'm yeah. not just watching a shit film to fill the gap, but it's not comparable to the favourite no. or to, to these things. So, the thing, well, film in particular. So I, you know, I, I'm the film columnist for the Sun. Yeah. So I will always watch a film differently than say. Robbie Collin for the Telegraph or yeah. or Mark Camo because I've got a different audience and that's not a class thing that's not a snobbery thing no. but there are all different ways of watching films yeah. you know I do the tour of film podcast with Hannah Flynn who watches films on a totally different level than I do she's yeah. a she's a woman of color she's a woman uh, yeah. and she's she, you know she, so she will watch for things that that I as a as a privileged white middle class middle aged bloke just, just won't yeah. even won't yeah. even occur to me so I'm a basic bitch when it comes to films it's kind of like did yeah. I like it was it fun did it yeah. scare me did it make me laugh were yeah. the performances good did it look good all of those things and so you can watch a Mar- you can watch Age of Ultron yeah. on a on a on a ten year old level which is like this is fucking great yeah, 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 or you yeah. can watch it on a comic book level which is like well actually the canon there from Marvel number sixty said yeah. that Ultron would not have you know you can go on at that level or you can go on the, the the whatever commentary the director is trying to put onto it or the producer or the writer trying to put onto it which is reflection yeah. of our own society so there's all these multi layers that you can watch a film on yeah. and any one of those is good for me I don't give a shit how you watch a film I have to make a big big point on my end of year film list i do and i do it as a podcast as well that these are the films i've enjoyed the most yeah. this year i'm not telling anyone else what it, thing, could have been, it could have been what mood it caught you in. well that was it there was a there was a year that that one of the x-men film was in there and i think it was what was the Colon apocalypse uh, uh, no, no there was another film i think that that that, that didn't make the list that got everyone angry is it in the flesh Oh, was that the Scarlett oh. Johansson one? No, oh no, what was oh, the that was in, under, one? Into the, under the skin. Was under that, the skin. Under the yeah. skin. That's it. That didn't that, make the list. That didn't make the list. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it, but didn't make the list. And people were furious because this X Men one had. But I said, honestly, my favourite moment of the whole year was watching in IMAX that scene where Qu- Qu- Quicksilver puts everyone in slow motion right, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. song was beautiful and the mo- there was humour, there was genuine beauty in the movement of the shot. Logan was that Logan? No, it wasn't in Logan. It was in. I know, I know the one you mean. It was yeah, in yeah, the yeah. X-Men one that was out the same year as Logan, yeah, yeah, or the yeah, year yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. 
and it was it, oh, that's it. it was it was Age of Future Past, I think, yeah, because it was the first one that crossed over. James the, McAvoy, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was just th- th- that scene. I was like, that was the most fun yeah. I had in the cinema. But if it so touches you, it there. touches you. Yeah. You know, and, and who's just, you know, I've got friends whose favourite films are, you know, I think are absolutely shit. Yeah. But, yeah. I, you know, who gives a Who cares? Yeah. Enjoy what you enjoy. And that's what you, that's what you realise as you get a bit older, I think. It's like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Just, completely. If you hate it, fucking hate it. I don't care. If you yeah. like it, just fucking revel in it. Wear it on a t-shirt. Could not give a shit. Numerous mates of mine know that I am really reluctant to recommend films personally. Yeah. Well, I always say, what, what films do so you personal. like? Yeah, exactly that. It's like, I will tell you, I loved this film. I'm not yeah. recommending it to you. I'm yeah. telling you, I loved it. Because I don't want the pressure of you going, yeah. that was shit. The the, 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 the the big example was was one year. My film of the year was, um, I'm forgetting the name of everything, Killer Joe. Right, okay. Absolutely yeah, yeah. adored it. Yeah. And two mates of mine put it on and they thought it was the worst film yeah. they've ever seen oh, in God. their life. And I was like, cool, I never told you to watch it. People I just posted angry, that it's yeah. my film of the year. Same so, uh, for film column. Every, yeah. every year, the film column, I get people getting very Fury, angry, right? furious with me for recommending <laughs> films or not liking films. You yeah. know, I hated Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, people yeah. get very cross about that. But the See, best... that was one for me that I yeah. went in expecting to hate and I really enjoyed because yeah. I didn't enjoy The Greatest Showman, which everyone told me was amazing. So I, yeah, I was, I was the opposite. But yeah. I loved that. Yeah. So but I never, and it really makes me laugh and it really made me think, actually, fuck it, I don't care because that was just brilliant. I gave Moonlight five stars in the sun yeah oh wow yeah so um which is predominantly you know and i remember getting a getting a dm on twitter from uh, some really fucking angry bloke yeah i got a fucking babysitter took my fucking wife to this fucking film that you gave fucking five stars to and i sat there and watched a blank a black guy wank another black guy off fuck you you cunt yeah. that was the, that was the tweet. and i was like yes, yes. I'm like, brilliant and, 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 and <laughs> imagine the one that's not dming you exactly. imagine the one that did exactly the and same i was just went, like oh, wow man wow. i never knew i would enjoy watching <laughs> exactly. a black man wanking and i was just off. like well you know at least you at least you got a reaction from it <laughs> yeah, at least you got out yeah, <laughs> mate. Um, well, before we wrap things up, I want to talk uh, quickly as well about th- throne cast because yeah. you can say that it's an it's kind of another idea off the back of a spin-off show that that you know the the same as your Big Brother bit on the side and stuff yeah. like that. But throne cast f- felt like the first that did it with drama, yeah, and that was hugely exciting. I used to do a film club at the Prince Charles uh, Cinema. And I'd s- select the films, but afterwards we'd do a Q&A, even though we were nothing to do with any of the films. But yeah. the point was, in the dawn of the term spoiler alert, you watch something exciting, and you want to, you want to discuss it, it yeah. or at least you want to hear it discussed, yeah. Yeah. and you can't. Because if you go online, particularly with Game of Thrones, there will be fury. Yeah, yeah. No matter where you no matter tweet, no matter happens, if you've got yeah. two yeah. two followers, yeah. someone will see it, and they'll be <laughs> furious. And it's why I felt things like Th- Th- Thronecast was such a great, yeah. A great thing because even if you're not personally talking about it, you're getting those bits that you were thinking about, talked about, and heard, and you yeah. can go, "Yeah, I'm. I feel I, I'm sated now. I feel yeah, I've yeah. got that closure on that episode, and yeah. and can enjoy it." It's, 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 how is that to be to it's be? Pro- I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I can't take any credit for throwing cast. It had been around. Um, it had been as a, it had started off as a podcast. Yeah, yeah, it was off the back of I think Ian Lee did one for Lost for Sky when, right. when yeah, Lost yeah, was yeah. there, and the same principle that makes uh, was, was, was used because Lost for, again is a perfect one that you need to discuss yeah, all of it. Yeah, yeah. and um, so Thronecast was a podcast with Jeff Jeff Lloyd did it for a few years. I think Grace Dent did a few bits on it, and then um, then they decided to make a kind of proper show. They brought me and brought Rachel Paris in, who's yeah. like obviously Rachel Paris has like gone flown. She's yeah. she's she's flying now. Um, 
And I think what was clever about it was that it was a good marketing thing for Game of Thrones as a, as a, and for Sky was was that Game of Thrones is so dense, yeah, so complicated. I mean, like it is for me, and I I do it for a living. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if it, and if you're if you're a kind of if you're an if you're an occasional viewer or if you're an occasional kind of um, drama fan. It can be. I think Game of Thrones is quite scary for a lot of people yeah. because it's too daunting a task to undertake. So having something like Thronecast backing it up yeah. is such a great help. Even when it's something to tell you the difference between Tywin and Tyrion. Yeah. You know, some people need that. Again, yeah. it's those layers. You can watch Game. You, you struggle to watch Game of Thrones without understanding where people the are and why they're of there. All of it. Yeah. So Thronecast is brilliant for that. But also, like you say, it's like a safe house for spoilers. So yeah. you can talk about why the hound uh, is on Arya's list or, yeah. you know, the chances, you know, what are the, what are those, uh, what are the rumours around R and, oh, what was it, fucking R and something equals J? I can't right, remember. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, the one yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 about, yeah, John yeah. And, yeah. about John and Daenerys yeah. and all, or John's kind of origin, origins. So it's, it's, it's such a good show to, and, to be involved in. I mean, it's genius and simple. I, I always nerd out over marketing stuff and yeah. business stuff, which yeah. is stupid considering I'm in entertainment. But X Factor is always the example I give because yeah. X Factor goes on and the people who, who love it tweet about it and the people who hate it tweet about yeah. it. It's masterful. It's win-win. But Thronecast and stuff like that was genius to me because it's like, well, you've got a show that's got mi- millions and millions of viewers if you can keep a load of them for an extra hour, you're advertising, Mate. all these other things. Yeah, if yeah. you've got a rerun, the best bits of Soccer AM yeah. are on after Thronecast yeah. or on after Game of Thrones. N- not that many Game of Thrones people are going to continue watching no, that. Exactly. You just go, here we go, let's have another hour. Well, and we it's can worked, just keep yeah. them. I mean, it's we can just keep really, them really a bit well. longer. It's like just, I know Consider- I shouldn't be looking at the market side, but just as a business side, it's like, yeah. that's genius. They're there. They're Consider- there and they're excited about it. Give a- them more. Yeah. And then you get market money and advertising money and all that kind of shit. Consider it's a spin-off show for a digital only, you know, for a, for a subscription yeah. only show i think thronecast keeps easily keeps i think certainly two-thirds of the audience that watch games which is, which is mental yeah so yeah we start gearing up i'm off to belfast i think the week after next amazing yeah. are you excited or scared at the impending end because the of... end of anything is always the when something isn't ending even if you have a, a weaker series there's always that confidence it'll pick pick back up or yeah. a weak few episodes there's yeah. confidence it'll pick back up as you come into the end, a weak scene is going to th- throw people. <laughs> is going to spin people and go. Yeah. Well, they've 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 blown it all. They've, they've ruined it. It's yeah. Like, uh, the thing is, pressure's I mean, on, right? <laughs> I don't. It's going to sound a bit weird. I don't particularly care how it ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't mean that kind of glibly or kind of no. flippantly. Is I've just really enjoyed the ride. Yeah. And as if if, if we learn anything from Game of Thrones, I think it was Tyrion that said, "If you think this has got a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention." Yeah. yeah. And I think you know that doesn't mean necessarily for who's going to end up on the throne if indeed anyone is yeah. i think genuinely it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a slightly underwhelming ambiguous ending i think yeah. because it's war and yeah. war doesn't have a clean ending it's 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 an it's an outlook i can relate to hugely and i confuse people again with mixed martial arts a lot because I, I love ufc i start for it all the time people always t- tweet me going who who's your pick to win and I'll always tweet back going I don't care yeah, don't matter. Yeah. and I love it dearly but I just want to watch it and enjoy yeah, it yeah, yeah, I don't care yeah. how it ends I'd like it yeah. I want it to be a good fight I don't care who the winner and the loser is yeah. just want it to I be mean, amazing I can get as equally as turned on by thinking that the Knights King will just fucking smash everything to dust yeah. and, and, and give the bird to, to, to yeah. the 20 million people that watch it but then equally you know someone like Arya 
having just killed Cersei for for the throne would give me as much to throw. I don't I yeah. don't mind. I just yeah. I, I'm just looking forward to balance. finding out what it is. You know, Valar yeah. Magulis, man, all men must die. Completely. <laughs> well, I'll wrap things up there as as we finish it. What's ahead? I mean, we've touched upon the fact that you've done tons. We've not. We've barely touched upon radio yeah. and podcasting. But yeah. what is the focus at the moment, and what's and what's the future kind of? I don't know, man. It's hold? the same. It's the same one. I mean, I've never had a plan. And I still haven't got Love one. It. I mean, it's just uh, you know that's as terrifying as it is exciting. Um, yeah. I'm I'm a hustler and I'm a, a jobber. You know, I'm kind of out there looking, and I'm got a fucking clue. I'd like to do something with the story of Holy Moly. Yeah. Uh, very much yeah. that's that's something i'm kind of looking at at the moment because i think it's quite pertinent yeah um you know sites like holy moly were, were inadvertently responsible for phone hacking which i think is quite an interesting angle yeah so, that's, a, that's which was one for another time but i mean you know I, I don't know game of thrones is finishing i don't know what's happening anywhere else you know who the fuck knows who i'm knows 45 and i still haven't got i'm still still winging it do you enjoy it though because i've got to that point where i think there's a benefit of not knowing what you're doing and it working for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Like I, I start each year, and yeah. particularly now I'm in this acting ga- yeah. g- g- game where it's so inconsistent. It's yeah. like I start two years ago, I started the year with no gigs booked. I did t- two films and a TV show. Yeah. Last year I started the year with no f- f- gigs booked. I got no gigs. Yeah, But it's kind of a buzz. It's, it's kind of a buzz. It's like yeah. it'll work out. I've Obviously there's the podcast and so on, but yeah. it's that kind of exciting thing of yeah, I mean, having I- that slight confidence and it works with music as well every album I finish I think I've not got anything else to say yeah. I'm done this is it and then the next album comes yeah. and it happens I think so. it depends on depends on where your head's at some days you wake up and thrive on that uncertainty and you think right this is it this is exciting because I just don't know what's coming then the next day you think well fuck this I'm just going to learn how to be an electrician because yeah. I read that they're on 100 grand a year yeah. you know it's one of those it's, it's, it, it's, it varies. it's easier for me to be excited with no kids or family yeah I mean luckily my <laughs> kids I mean two of my kids are grown up now yeah, and, of course, you know, so, of so I'm, I'm kind of out of the woods there but you know I just I'm a provider, you know, I, yeah. I've always been been a provider and anything that I've done has always been born out of that. And that's not yeah. meant to sound worthy or heroic. No, no, it's just, it's yeah. just, that's just what it is from about being a dad. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's the, that's the best thing. And that, God, that sounds really shit. Let's not end the podcast on no, that. No, that's good. But that's, it's, um, but I don't know. I just, I just like working. You yeah. know, I genuinely like working, yeah. whether that's doing radio, whether it's doing TV, who the fuck knows, you know. Yeah. God knows. So, so where can, can people keep up to date with all you're doing on um, socials and all that kind I of thing. get yeah twitter at jamie east i mean the talk film podcast is done every week i do a reality check one about reality tv as well which yep, is always right. good fun um and then i'm always popping up here there everywhere you know i mean if it's a really shitty year the next time you'll see me it will be on the end of year review show on channel five which <laughs> i seem to have done for the past 12 years which is absolutely fine but i hope there's more to it than that 100 <laughs> i love those shows and i love it when people i know pop up being paid to remember things because that's that's always just a great moment because again do, i legit think what, it's a great gig but what they've started doing now is they've started taking those and putting them and formulating them into different shows so someone will tweet me and go i saw you on the greatest ice skaters ever and i'm like fucking i don't know anything about ice skaters <laughs> and they've just found one quoted it about torval and dean from 2009 and shoved it in some talking head show i love that shit because they're genuinely still so watchable the reason i see loads of my mates on them is because i go it's because everyone's the, sat there in their like, pants falling asleep genuinely me and my brother we're watching a TV the other night and we saw an advert and we're like it might have reached its peak when it was and it was on a couple of nights ago and I don't know if you were on it but Probably. it was um, it was a countdown of the top chocolate adverts of all time and I wasn't on that and I was no, like I that. man they've pushed it the top chocolate adverts they're so specific yeah. but I watched a bit it was alright it was alright got there <laughs> thank, yeah. thank you very much for your cheers, time man. cheers man pleasure. pleasure cheers
You've been listening to Scrooge Picks Discretion Pieces. There we go. I told you it was a fascinating one. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to keep the outro brief. Like one of the reasons is that a lot of people don't listen to the outro. So whilst I'm going to keep it brief, I'm also going to tell you, I'm sneaking out a bonus podcast on Friday. And I don't think I'm even going to mention it on socials. I'm just going to sneak it out. So keep an eye out for that. But don't don't tell anyone. I wasn't even going to mention it here, but I said a lot of people don't listen to the outros. I will see you all next week and on Friday. But this has been episode 261 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Jamie East.